How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. It's Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. Big night tonight. College football rankings will be released tonight. University of Miami is inside or inside the top 10. We'll see what the college football playoff committee thinks about the University of Miami sitting at 7-1 and one in a holding pattern at number 10 in the country. We'll see who the top four are. So that will be coming up on the show. Uh, Brett McMurphy will join us. Brett, a college football writer from Stadium College Football Insider, joins us at about 620 We'll talk about the University of Miami offensive line with offensive line coach Garen Justice. Basketball season gets underway around the country tomorrow and for the the University of Miami women's basketball team as well. The men begin on Sunday. Jim Laranega joins us at 7. Katie Meyer is with us at 725. And then Don and I will wrap things up with a look at the college football rankings. We'll break that down as the, the rankings will be released right around 7 o'clock. So it'll be fun. The University of Miami is going to be in the conversation somewhere. They will, Joe. And, you know, the – I don't know. Unfortunately, Miami hasn't – isn't on pace. We had to take the pause, but I certainly have, would feel confident where they would be right now that they would still only have one loss um, going into to this week's game and going into the, the first week of games after the, the announcement is made. So – um, you know, at this time of year, there's a, always a ton of speculation, but at the same time, you just got to keep winning, right? I mean, that's, that's really what it boils down to. It's crazy. We're at, we are at Thanksgiving, which generally is the end of the year. Miami still has three games left. The Big Ten, like they just started. Ohio State's 4-0. Uh, the Pac-12, uh, Utah played their first game of the year the other day. Right. The, <laughs> So the, t- the top four right now are Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Clemson in the AP poll. Texas A&M just on the outside. Uh, McMurphy's going to be with us. He's projecting the University of Miami to go to the Peach Bowl and play Cincinnati. So uh, some have Miami projected to go to the Orange Bowl to play Florida. Florida's number six right now in the AP Top 25. I'll take either one, wouldn't you? I think Absolutely. it's. Uh, yeah. I think it's. Uh, I, I'm all about staying at home, and I'm all about uh, the Orange Bowl. And if you're if you're looking for trying to keep things geographically 
um, safe, then, you know, Florida and, and Miami do, doing that deal would certainly make it the most sense. But Atlanta's nothing but a hot skip and a jump away. And we hadn't been to the Peach Bowl in a long time. And I got to watch a lot of that Cincinnati UCF game over the weekend. And Cincinnati's one heck of a football team. And so is UCF. UCF gave my handful as well. So the question for the University of Miami is right now, two days before Thanksgiving, where are we? We're seven and one, and the season has stopped. They were developing an identity, right? The receivers were starting to come along, making some plays on defense, getting just enough multiple stops defensively, winning in the fourth quarter. So you could see an identity starting to form. And then we're on pause. So how hard is it going to be to pick things up? You know, in my opinion, Joe, it's going to be difficult. I, I've been around this thing forever, and the thing that I appreciate most about college football is the repetition. You know, you do the same thing on Monday and Tuesday and every day in the week, and you go through the same preparation for a game and um, the day after, and, and everything is the same. And there's, there's comfort in that, and you also have a baseline for getting better. And... Um, Miami being on the pause, we don't really know what has happened this past week. And now you're into week two of the pause and you, you, you wonder how much more were they able to get done. And you were really peaking. You had won some physical football games. You had come from behind. You had dominated the fourth quarter. And what that fourth quarter had shown me is that Miami's reputation was that they were a fourth quarter team. That's built foundation that is built in the strength and conditioning room so if Miami's been able to condition and 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 lift and run then some things will come of it but you still have to practice the game and a two-week off period when you're on a roll when you've won four games in a row and you're not and you're feeling comfortable about yourself I don't think it's a positive it's a positive that it's there it's a positive because of COVID and it's a positive that you still have football to play, but for saying you're going to play your best football after two weeks off um, in the first week of December, I don't, I don't think that that's something that anybody um, has ever has ever even had to deal with before. Well, maybe not this late in the season. Now, other teams have had to. Notre Dame went through it earlier in the year. Sure, and yep. Florida went through it. Notre Dame, by the way, Miami's path could be decided on Friday. Uh, Notre Dame and Carolina play Friday afternoon at North Carolina. Notre Dame goes into that game a seven-point favorite. Notre Dame's advantage in the game, you would think, is is in the trenches. Yes. Carolina's had a tough time stopping people, but the Irish are without their center and guard. And I don't know if that's going to make a difference or not, but the foundation for Notre Dame football is in the trenches. You know, it will make a difference. So I'll answer that question right now. But I will tell you, when I saw the Notre Dame-Clemson game, um, I was very impressed with Notre Dame's quickness. They looked faster. They looked quicker. They looked excellent uh, as far as their angles and speed goes on defense. But I will also tell you, I, I was looking at some numbers, and uh, North Carolina, you know, their, their back is leading the ACC. And, I mean, he's way ahead of ETN. And you look at what is going on with their, stati their statistics offensively, this offense that North Carolina is running is unbelievable. They've had great success with it. And the Wake Forest game, the numbers aren't even 
aren't even believable. It was like 750 yards of uh, of offense and 112 points between the two teams. And, uh, you know, I, I just I, I looked at this and I thought it was typographical errors, you know, in the box scores. So, you know, Notre Dame's going to have their hands full. But I, I when you look at, at North Carolina, they've been a little bit um, – uh, unpredictable, you know. I guess they 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 lost to uh, Florida State. They lost to Virginia. How can a team that can put up that many yards and that many points and and play that kind of football and you know? But then you go look at, at Wake Forest and heck, they've got more turnovers than anybody almost in the country and more takeaways and and they're they're doing darn good as well. So I don't know. It, it's going to be one heck of a ball game. Now now Wake Forest. Uh... Our listeners might not believe this, and I, I guess I'll have to go check the stats again. But uh, they take the ball away, as you mentioned. What they do not do is give the ball away. Uh, going it's into zero the, or one, they have one turnover yeah. the entire year. One turnover. The right. quarterback has not thrown an interception yet. Hartman. No, he he hasn't, <laughs> and and so like they're like plus fifteen in this category. I mean, it's it's an unheard of number. It's not. You know, it's not the total, but they're not, they are not giving the football away at all. And they've got a, a guy that, when I saw him play, that looks like he's a, uh, an All-American, a defensive end. Um, they're, they're very, very, very uh, well coached. And they have snuck up on each other, on everybody that they've played. But I think it's just because of the, there's no name recognition or people put, Wake Forest with basketball or or what I don't I don't know what it is but I'm telling you this you go there and play a football game you're lucky to get out alive. Well, Wake Forest has had to juggle their schedule around a little bit. They were scheduled to play this week. They're not playing, so let's see. They get back into action against Miami on December the fifth. Right. Right. Because they, their their game against Louisville, I believe, this week was moved. ACC's had a jigsaw puzzle the last couple of weeks. Uh, but Miami's going to be back in action December the 5th. One of the areas where I think it might hurt Miami where they were gaining momentum was at their wide receiver position. You look at the last three games, four games, and those numbers increase in every single game. Well, I'll go back to, I'll go back to um, uh, the, the, the point of repetition, and that is I felt early on on what I was told by the coaching staff and what I had seen with my own eyes that November, you know, mid-October, November, if Miami was going to make a jump, that would be the time that they would do it. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened because you had a new quarterback with a new system at a new team that hadn't played catch with any of these guys. And I think it just all started coming together. I think a big part of it was is that you know, Mike Harley and, and those guys decided that we better work a little more after practice. We better try and build a, a better relationship with De'Ara King. We better make sure that we're putting in a little a few extra hours a week. And that and that's always pays off. So um, you look at – and it just happened at the right time. You know, you, you see that the teams were able to stack the box against Miami in the running game because they had no threat of the pass game. And we had Brevin Jordan, who was out for three weeks. And all those things combined, it was it was mandatory that Miami got the, the run game in place. And, I mean, the pass game in place, and thank God they did. Uh, De'Ara King is passing average per game is number five now in the ACC, 260 yards a game. 
that's fifth in the ACC. You know, like 15 years ago, that'd be number one. When Sam Howell, <laughs> Sam Howell was throwing for 328 yards a game. Well, when you look at Sam Howell, his numbers really were pretty darn close to this last year. I think that when you when you start looking at how this guy plays the game, and the, that he's they hold up in protection. Stacy Searles, Miami's old offensive line coach, is up there, and they they've held up in protection. They've got receivers that were experienced from last year with him. They had a running game that was with him last year, and he was able to grow with this with with Matt Brown is in, in his first year with this offense last year with their first year coordinator and now you're seeing the benefits of all these guys being together. Derek King by the well uh, by the way is number 3 in the ACC in total offense. He's giving Miami 313 yards a game of total offense. You know, Joe, the thing that I like about Derek King is that and I think people are starting to adapt with to it is the fact that He's a part of Miami's running game. You talk about, well, the running game's not. A couple of weeks ago, I guess we almost had 190 yards in rushing. Um, I guess it was NC State or Pitt or whoever it was. And, well, the running game's not. Well, no, you had almost 200 yards rushing. So I like the, the element that the Eric King brings with that. But I, I still think now that the receivers have garnered the attention of the defense, that things are going to get a little bit easier for Miami as an offense because the opponent has to defend more. I'm going to uh, end this segment with this. Are you ready? There are seven teams in the ACC that are winless in November. (laughs) Seven teams winless in November. Yeah, I got you. All right, so Wake Forest, Virginia Tech, Syracuse, Georgia Tech, Duke, Clemson, and Florida State. And that means they're win- they're they're winless in November because they've either had their game canceled, postponed, lost, or haven't played. In and the case of, of or all of the above, right? <laughs> case of Georgia Tech, they have not played a game in November. Right. I mean, think about that. Here we are. We're talking about our two weeks. It's, they're going to get they're they're lucky to get through November. I mean, and and play one game. Yeah. So. Uh, that's where we are, uh, college football. At any rate, tonight is uh, the first college football playoff reveal. We'll see where the University of Miami sits. The Hurricanes are in, in the hunt for a lot of good things. And I've always said, if you win 10 games, something special is going to happen to your team. If you establish winning 10 games and you do that in consecutive seasons, then you're going to play in a big bowl game. You're going to play for a conference championship. You are playing for something. And Miami has a chance to play, to, to win 10 games if they get these three games in. They've got a chance to have a 10-win season. If you win 10 games, you have a great year. You're playing in something. Now, you might get edged out from the college football playoff, maybe because uh, the voters didn't think that you were worthy of top four. But if you establish your program as a 10-win program, you have a great program. Well, what it does is it, it really solidifies your recruiting, doesn't it? Yep. Uh, out, of, out of everything, when you, you hear the term, and I think Coach Diaz is using it quite often, you want to start stacking classes on top of each other. Well, you know, you start having 10-win seasons, and you're right. You may, not even, you may not even go to the conference championship game. You will, may not be in the playoffs, but you will be – a significant you'll be in a significant bowl 
and you'll be relative through the entire season. And that's really all you can ask for. And when you start getting, uh, you know, those top 10 recruiting classes, I don't necessarily think you have to be number one. But if you can get those top 10s four or five, six years in a row, that and if you've had attrition issues, the, the talent level, an increased level in talent helps that. It also gives you the ability to redshirt. And you start building that roster where when you graduate a class, you don't go back to square one. Because, uh, you know, I'll bring it up now. You look, if Miami loses all they can lose off of this team, it's there's a lot of rebuilding to do next year. You know what I mean? There's a lot of there's a lot of numbers to replace. Yeah, people are, are concentrating on the incoming freshmen, that part of the recruiting. The big part of the recruiting that has to be done is keep the guys that are here, here. That yeah. That is the biggest part of recruiting, I think, for Coach Diaz and his staff. There are some guys on this roster that you hope will make the decision to come back next year because if they do – they really have an opportunity, I think, to have a special season, not only what is remaining of this season, but also next year as well. I mean, what if you, what if you had the magic wand and you could say, and it's because it is a do-over season, that we bring back every single player on this roster and we have the infusion of the talent that, we, that, we, that we're going to sign in this class. And I know the numbers will have to get worked out down the road, but I would feel right away, without even looking at the schedule, how it's laid out. I mean, we know what the schedule is. Are you saying you're going to win 10, 11, or 12 games? I mean, I, it would not be out of character or beyond a stretch of imagination that that would be the case if you got your quarterback back, this yep. entire receiving quarterback, the entire backfield, plus the infusion of, of this recruiting class that's one of the best in the country. And it's certainly one of the best ones Miami's had in a long time. Well, if they can finish off this season strong, they will end up in a big bowl game. And if they do, I've got the perfect way for us to get there. I've got the perfect drive. Williamson Cadillac will provide that perfect drive. Williamson Cadillac, you can experience everything they have to offer with this award-winning lineup. You can make a statement in their unmistakable XT crossovers. And if Miami's in a big bowl game, Don and I will arrive in the XT4 crossover engineered to stand out. You can excite your senses in Williamson's CT sedan series dedicated to performance or ride in the original icon, the Cadillac Escalade. Visit their state-of-the-art facility, which is conveniently located at US 1 and 104th Street, just south of the Palmetto Expressway, or view their entire lineup online at WilliamsonCadillac.com. When you go to Williamson Cadillac, ask for Mr. Williamson. He'll be there. He'll talk about the Canes, but more importantly, he'll, he will make sure that you have the perfect customer experience. Williamson Cadillac, your premier luxury dealership. Williamson is Miami. Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. Joe Zagacki, Don Bailey Jr. We are in the college football rankings. Rotation now to the end of the year. We'll find out where teams are ranked, how it's going to finish up. Joining us from Stadium College Football, Stadium College Football Insider, Brett McMurphy is with us. 
Brett, good evening. How are you? Happy Thanksgiving. Hey, thanks, guys. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. And so the debate will begin. Who do you have in your top four or five? Um, <clears throat> I actually think the same four in my a- on my AP ballot will be the same four for the committee. Bama one, Notre Dame two, Ohio State three. And I've got Texas A&M four. That's the one that I think is most likely to be wrong. Um, I think four, five, six is going to be some combination of Clemson, Texas A&M, or Florida. I think the committee, though, based on how they've done this in the past, they usually value head-to-head, and Texas A&M has the win over Florida. That puts them in front of the Gators. Clemson lost to Notre Dame. That shuffles them down the pack a little bit. Um, so I definitely think Bama is one. I, I definitely think Notre Dame is two. Um, Ohio State really doesn't have a quality win to be up at three, but they kind of, you know, they'll use the old eye test, which isn't what you see, but it's what I mean, <laughs> what I think and what you think. <clears throat> so I think those will be the top six. And then I think what will be kind of fascinating to, to look at a little further further down is how high is Cincinnati come in in the group of five if they have a legitimate chance to get into the top four? I, I don't think they do. And also Northwestern, um, how high will they be? Uh, certainly they're probably going to have to win out to get in the top four. Um, I don't, you would, it would take a catastrophic um, number of different factors to happen for a one-loss Northwestern to finish in the top four. Red, when you go back and, and you look at this, you, you talk about Notre Dame. Do you think from an ACC perspective that they are people are realizing – um, even after the win over Clemson, h- how well-built this team is. Joe and I were talking in the last segment. I think everybody but two or three are, are seniors that are starters. You know, the whole group are, are seniors. They've got th- the best defense in the conference. I haven't really heard anybody talk about that the whole season. And it, it's just um, starting to dawn on me in, in reality that this is a team, at least statistically, and also as far as age per player, is built for a championship. Yeah, it really does. You know, the, and I agree with everything you've, you've said. The, the flip side of that, though, however, is what has happened in the past. And we've seen Notre Dame right. in the college football playoffs. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. That's a good point. Stop me if you've heard this. Um, And we know what has happened. So the good news for Notre Dame is that they've got, you know, arguably, you can say they, well, I don't think it's, there's any doubt. I I think they have the best win of the year so far. And that's beating Clemson, even without Trevor Lawrence. And so I think they are going to get rewarded with that. And number two, um, despite how impressive they've been thus far, other than Clemson, they haven't really, they really don't have another marquee win. But there's really nobody in the country that has two marquee wins. So you can't really hold that against them. I really think it's going to boil down to the ACC title game. Well, first, they got to get past North Carolina this weekend, that's right. and that's, that's not a gimme. But if they do take care of business, um, it's going to come down to the ACC title game. I think. The winner of that game is automatic into the playoff, whether that's Clemson or Notre Dame. If Clemson's a loser, they're out. The two-loss two team is not in the playoff. If Notre Dame loses, then the Irish, 
you know, put it in the hands of the committee, and then they're going to be judged against other one-loss teams. And if those other one-loss teams are a Power 5 conference champion, I don't think Notre Dame will get in because then I think the committee will say, well, Notre Dame beat Clemson without their best player, and in the rematch they couldn't beat them. And then if you compare them against a one-loss Big Ten champ, one-loss SEC champ, um, Pac-12, I don't know. If it's an undefeated Pac-12 team, I think that's the only way the Pac-12 gets in. Um, And then the Big 12 at this point can't have a one-loss champ. So basically Notre Dame would be compared against a one-loss SEC or Big Ten champ to get get a second team in for the ACC. And I just think that's going to be very unlikely – um, so it, it, it kind of sucks because it really means that first game didn't mean much. It, I think it's that rematch that it's, the committee is going to reward as far as the college football playoff. Locally, for us, we have the University of Miami sitting at number 10, 7-1. I don't know that they can climb up in the top four. I'm not saying that. But they theoretically, they have three games remaining. They could be playing – for a New Year's Six Bowl game, and you and your projections have them, I believe, at the Peach Bowl. Uh, you know, it's funny. I just did them, and I don't remember where I have them. Um, <laughs> well, no, I have, I'm you know, going to say I have you, Cincinnati, you had, BYU, and the Peach Bowl. Oh, I, don't we have did Miami, have, I don't have Miami. I have Miami in the Orange Bowl. Okay. Um, well, you had... And so, we'll take that too. Then we don't have to travel. <laughs> well, and that's part. Of, that's partly one of the reasons. I mean, certainly, the the you know the selection committee the they as you guys know that the teams that are not in the top four and then they take the next highest ranked teams. So what I'm basing that on is Miami being the third highest ranked ACC team. So in my projections, I've got Clemson. Um, Clemson winning the rematch in the ACC title game, going to the college football playoff. I have, I actually have, um, then I have, I think Miami actually playing Notre Dame in the, in the pit. No, God dang it. I've actually got, <laughs> I don't have Miami in the New Year's Six. Sorry about that. Oh, I have Florida well, in the Orange Bowl. Oh, and here's the drop reason. This out. Here, and there, here's the reason. Notre Dame, because they are an ACC member, as you guys know, the ACC gets right. an automatic berth into the Orange Bowl. So if Notre Dame does not make the New Year Six, excuse me, does not make the college football playoff, and they are the highest-ranked ACC team, they would go to the Orange Bowl. So I don't see Miami jumping Notre Dame. Now here's where Miami gets screwed in this deal. If Notre Dame was an independent, then Miami would get the ACC bid to the Orange Bowl and would play Notre Dame because the opponent of the Orange Bowl, as you guys know, is either the SEC, um, the Big Ten, or Notre Dame. Well, now that Notre Dame's considered an ACC member, Notre Dame's on the other side of the equation as an ACC member, and that actually drops Miami out of the New Year's Six. So if you want, if you obviously want Miami to get to a New Year's Six game, the best scenario is for Notre Dame to thump Clemson and um, and then hopefully Miami can jump Clemson in the, in the final rankings because Miami cannot be below both Clemson and Notre Dame and get to the Orange Bowl. Oh boy, we got a lot of work to do. I'll just take a ten in one season. <laughs> That's right. Ten, look, hey, at least we're playing. At least we're playing football. I remember where we were this summer. No one thought we would be playing. 
Well, that's a whole that's a big big topic, and we're playing football and grinding through it. And Don and I have seen firsthand at the University of Miami what they've done, and I actually think it's been tremendous that we're playing football. I get a little perturbed when they they say the percentage of canceled postponements, but a lot of those games are being made up. So I think at the end of the year, we're going to have more football than we thought. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I'm, you know, look, I'm, I'm a, you know, news reporter. So when games are canceled, I, I report them, I tweet them out and people like to bring up the, Hey, why don't you, why don't you list the games that are being played? Well, you know, look, I, I hope every game gets played, but when a game is not played, you know, you, you have to report it. And, you know, it's the same as a coach getting fired. It's the same as, is a game getting postponed by a hurricane or, or something else? You report about it. So, um, yeah, I agree. There's We've had, I think, 80 to 85% of the games have been played, but this is a unique season. Um, I don't know if you guys were aware or not, but the Minnesota-Wisconsin game just got canceled. And what that means is Wisconsin is ineligible for the Big Ten title game because they don't, have enough, they don't play enough games. The Big Ten had a rule. You had to play six of eight games. The most Minnesota can play right now is five games. So basically, excuse me, Wisconsin can play is five games. So basically, Northwestern has basically clinched a bid to the Big Ten title game where they'll likely face Ohio State. So, yeah, there's some weird circumstances all over. And certainly the, the situation we talked about with the Orange Bowl with Notre Dame being an ACC member is basically what's going to keep Miami out of the Orange Bowl probably. All right, so we go. You talk about news. The news this past week, at least in, in the ACC, was Florida State uh, cancels the game. Or I, I don't. I'll let you report the news. But da, 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 postponed. Uh, Dabo Sweeney, um, you know, went off on it, and it, it, it got more attention probably than any postponement have got has gotten. At least that we've been made aware of. Um, what brought all the attention to that, and what do you think happens? Well, hopefully they can play the game on December 12th. That's still a possibility. Um, you know, it's it's never it's rare that both sides are right in a situation, but in in this case, I think both sides were right. Florida State obviously was right in their in their minds and their decision to not play the game because based on the protocols of the ACC, with the the um, guidelines and different different information they had, they were within their rights to postpone the game. Clemson is also right in the fact that they're upset that this game wasn't played because Clemson met all the protocols. The biggest issue is the ACC's protocols allow this to happen. You should not have a team fly to another to to its opponent's town and then determine for literally four hours before kickoff. That's when they found out the game was postponed, that the team was coming on to breakfast at 8 a.m., noon kick. That's when they found out the game was not going to be played. So that was a screw-up by the ACC. However, with all that being said, the way Davo has reacted to this whole thing has been a huge, huge loss on his part. I understand you address it. You, you fight for your team, you bring up your opinion, and that sort of thing. But this thing has gone on for two or three days now. I mean, he mentioned today 
you know, he said, I'm not worried about what they say down in Tallahassee. I've been here 18 years. They've had three coaches in four years. I'm not worried about advice from down in Tallahassee. That doesn't sound like him. You know what I mean? That doesn't sound like the guy that we used to know. (laughs) The Oshocks, little old Clemson. You know who it sounds like? It's Steve Spurrier. (laughs) He's almost Spurrier-esque. But, yeah, it's, uh, you know, look, it's unfortunate it happened. I understand Clemson's side of it and their right to be to be mad about this game not being played. I understand Florida State's side of it. They they had every right to not play the game. Florida State is not backing out of the game, like Davo has said. Florida State wants to play the game on December 12th. Um, so we'll have to see what happens. I think in this whole thing, Florida State took the high road. Mike Norvell took the high road. Davo Sweeney took the lowest load, road possible. And I think everybody's kind of seeing it. And, and like, I agree with everything you said. You know, Dabo, what happened to the Dabo? The off shucks were just a little Clemson. Now, now you're seeing kind of a different side to Dabo, and I don't think many people like it. Well, if you look at him, though, too, they're, they're, if they're going to play that game on the 12th, uh, that would mean the championship game if they get in it was, what, the 19th? So instead of him the, having – The following week, right. Yeah, instead of him having possibly two weeks to get ready – and rest his team up, he's going to be, you know, having to go back-to-back again. Right. That's obviously, you know, that would be an issue there. And then, you know, Notre Dame, it, it appears, you know, but then again, Notre Dame does not have an open week. They're playing at Wake uh-huh. Forest. So neither team would have an open day before the game. So, you know, maybe he look, maybe he's looking further down the road thinking, well, we, we would have had an open day. We would have had the advantage of rest. Now, now there's no advantage there, but yeah. Either way, I mean, you know, come on, it's it's a, you know, everyone knows the situation we're in now, and for him to just continue to rail on Florida State, I mean, this should have been a one day story, and here, you know, here we are, uh, three days later, and we're we're still talking about it, and it's not going anywhere either. All right, Brett, you've been gracious with your time. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, we're hoping that everybody gets to the finish line one way or the other this year. Uh, it's been a tough sledding, but I think it's been a great story that there has been college football, and hopefully we can get to the finish line and uh, have some uh, great moments in January. Thank you for being with us here tonight. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you That's- very much. That's Stadium College Football Insider, Brent McMurphy, joining us. When we come back, we'll move our attention to the University of Miami, and we'll talk about the Canes' offensive line with offensive line coach Garen Justice coming up next. Now back to Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. Rolling right along. Joe Zagacki, Don Bailey Jr. Joining us now University of Miami offensive line coach, Garen Justice. Coach, thank you for being with us. Happy Thanksgiving. How are you doing tonight? Doing well. Uh, th- thank you guys for having me on the show. So we have a two-week pause here. How do you think, or do you think it slows down your momentum in any way? It's one of the things Don and I were talking about. You were you were developing some identity, uh, personality, really just starting to, to, to peak. So how do you get that back when you're allowed to come back? You know, I think it's all how you look at it. 
I mean, I think you look at one side and say, man, you, you're probably going to lose a lot of momentum and things like that. But the other side of it, you're looking at it and saying, well, yeah, that's unfortunate we're going through this, but it happens to fall right where guys have to finish up their projects. They're probably stressed out about school, doing that, those type things. Also, you're two, three months into the season, and, and some bodies may be able to heal up. Some guys that weren't 100% may be able to come back. And, and now you're also getting – kind of a flash of, hey, football can easily be taken away from you again. So hopefully when the guys come back, they'll they'll have that hunger, that energy. And, and we're, we're just trying to spin this thing as a positive way and, and hopefully allow us to finish out strong in December. Coach, um, first of all, thank you very much for being with us. And uh, big picture again, when, when you look at being 7-1 and one and that you got eight football games in, that's a pretty darn big accomplishment as it is. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I know there are times that even in July that we didn't even know if we were going to have a season, and it was it was back and forth the whole time. And again, we get selfish and, and we want more, and we we want to play more. But also, there's been some really really uh, grim outlooks uh, when you look back before the season started. And if you said, "Hey, you be seven and one, you play eight games," you you'd feel pretty good about it from the fact that it could have easily been taken away at any time. Coach, uh, Don and I were talking about the last game. You go in with uh, a limited amount of offensive linemen. You run about 80-some plays. I don't know if anybody subbed in or subbed out. I'm not sure. But I, I do think it was a performance where your guys really did grind it out. What were your thoughts on the way your guys were able to make it through that game, and how proud were you? Yeah, I mean, I mean the performance <laughs> the performance wasn't the best, so I guess the, the best – term you could use is grind it out because we did find a way to get a win we played well enough to get a win um but i think the week you go on in a week and guys don't know if they're going to play that week guys guys are unsure what's happening they're unsure what the lineup's going to be uh, we have Usman who comes off of two weeks of isolation from having having covid and, and i mean for moments like that you're pretty happy you're pretty satisfied with with what we're made of. You know, we still got to be a lot better, and we still can't make excuses. But the fact that the guys still found a way to hop on a plane and perform well enough to win, you're still very, very happy with what, what we're doing. Coach, how's the big man doing, 55, Devon Donaldson? I, I just I, – uh, I just – I enjoy watching him play. I, I'm looking forward to the day he can get back out there and help us. Yeah, I mean Vaughn's a uh, he's a guy that we've we've tried to really take care of as far as bringing him back slowly with his rehabs for the fact that he is a bigger man and um, that being a a major joint in his body that that carries half of his weight we've got to be really really careful with how we go about that so we've we've been taking our time with our, our progress with that and Vaughn's been doing well and he actually got the green light to go for Virginia Tech game and we. Going into the game, though, we really didn't want to use him unless it was an emergency because we still don't feel great where he's at as far as his conditioning and and, and being ready to roll. But uh, Vaughn was ready. Vaughn was excited, and, and hopefully we can get to mix him in more here in the next couple of weeks. I watched him in pregame warm up a little bit at center. The ball looks like a raisin in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he is a... He is a giant man. There, there's not many people that, that I go around that I feel small around, and, and Navon's one of those. 
How are uh, how are your two guys? You had two guys that played a lot last year. Uh, they're still young guys. They battle pretty hard. Uh, Jakai wasn't eligible to go uh, in the last game because of uh, uh, circumstances. But Zion and Jakai, two really bright kids, uh, both not from South Florida, come into this program, played a lot of football. Where, where are they in their progress? Yeah, I'm, I'm really, really pleased with both those guys. I mean, and the same reason they found a way to, to step in and be part of the starting lineup last year is the same reason they have this year. I mean, they're, they're reliable, do-right kids who do their best to do what you're trying to coach them to do. And um, plus they have ability and talent to go with that. So they're, they're good young players. I mean, we sometimes forget that they're true sophomores. And for an offensive lineman, that's, that's rare that guys can walk in the door and help out and, and be a significant part of what you're doing. But uh, their growth, I think, has been a lot better this year just for the fact that the game's finally starting to slow down for them being their second year uh, playing college football. But can't say enough nice things about those guys. Really like where they're at. And they've been really two of our more consistent guys this season. Coach, you know, I don't want to leave out Jared Williams. And I, and I feel that almost uh... – a lot of people that are Miami fans or South Florida that follow this team, they really don't know enough about him. He's at the right tackle. He transferred from Houston. But he has been uh, – he was a breath of fresh air for that offensive line. And aside from that, I guess he had the, the game uh, where he was injured, where he didn't start. Other than that, he's brought a lot of consistency to that right tackle spot. Yeah, he, he really has. And Jared's a, a quiet kid who just has walked in the room and – the guys have accepted him with open arms, and, and he's been steady since day one. I mean, he's he's shown a slight progression. Now he had he had a little finger deal at, at Clemson, which is it's, it's set him back some. That's kind of why we held him out with Pitt because just he wasn't ready with how they were configuring his finger or whatever for the game. And um, but he's been a day in day out worker. He's done all the right things. Um, has a great attitude. Is great for the room, and and really, he's a guy you look back on and you say, "Man, I'm, I'm glad we picked him up because um, it's like the Virginia Tech game, for example. You can't play that game if a guy like Jared Williams is not available. And uh, Jared's been been there week in and week out, and ready to go for us. Coach, what's it like between yourself, Coach Lashley, Coach Likens? All of you guys share, I think, similar philosophies. You've all been coordinators. What's that creative process like each week? Yeah, well, it's it's nice not um, it's nice having other guys in the room that I mean everyone's pulling their weight as far as bringing ideas. And I think it allows Coach Lashley to to not feel like the burdens on him to to have to bring every idea offensively to the table. So and, and Rhett does a, an unbelievable job as far as managing that and, and and making sure that we get the best game plan to help us win. But uh, it's nice just when you're talking in a room of like it's one thing to to suggest a call it's one thing to do that but just like anything unless you've had to actually call it or you've been in that seat and so so a lot of times for example i may say man this would be really good but it's going to be hard to get those reps in it's going to be hard to get that called uh for for saturday or hey i know this this may be a good idea but this is not who we are and it's not what you know i mean just i, I think sometimes when you've never called it it, it you sometimes it's hard to lose this or get out of the scope of what the offense coordinator wants. So I think that's been a big help for Rhett. And uh, it's been a big help for me to see in, see in the way a really good offense coordinator like Rhett does it. And uh, it's been a good experience all around. 
Coach, I, I don't know that all of our, our fans or our listeners realize this, but you were a head coach at a very, very young age. And and how did that benefit you today? When you, when you look back at that experience, and I think you told me that you were the head coach, but also watched the weight room when you when you had that job, right? Or you oversaw some of that? Yeah, well, <laughs> when you're yeah, when you're in Division two, you you wear a lot of hats. It's, it's not not a whole lot different in high school in a lot of ways. Uh, the only difference is, is we're allowed to give scholarship money. And um, you know, when I first got the job, I was 28 years old. Uh, was four years removed from being a GA, or two years removed from being a GA, four years removed from playing. Um, so it just it came upon it came really really quick. It happened really really quick as far as um, that course. But yeah, a thing that's been really really cool. It's it's made me appreciate the equipment managers. It made me appreciate the strength yep. staff. It's made me appreciate those different positions. And also, it's allowed me to be a much better assistant because now I try to keep things off of Coach Diaz's desk because as a head coach, the last thing you want to worry about is something small and minor that an assistant could take care of. And I think a good assistant's the type of guy that tries to do his best to minimize the work of the head coach, and you need to assist the head coach and help him do his job. So I think that's the biggest thing. And then also understanding just how the whole team works together. It's like, hey, this may be great for the offense, or this may be great for the offensive line, but this may not benefit the defense. <laughs> this may not benefit the a position room uh, on the defensive line. I think once you've been in charge of a team, it's easier for you to see the big picture. Coach, how is the recruiting trail for you? I guess it's not really much of a trail. It's more of a recruiting zoom, I, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's such a such a different ball game right now. Everything's social media, phone calls, that. I mean, they've, they've got us grounded as far as not being allowed to go out and, and see coaches and, and watch kids practice and do those types of things and uh, that's something as a coach that you you kind of like because now you don't have to travel as much but at the same time you miss because you miss those interactions and you miss really getting to see your eyes on potential recruits so it's, it's going to be a really tricky year for everyone involved in college football as far as really identifying players off of film uh, seeing what they can do from there and, and trying to get a great feel of who they are as people just through phone calls. Coach, I can't go through a, a conversation with you without asking about how my man Corey Gaynor's doing. Our, our center is he? Uh, how's he progressed this season, and how's he adapted to this offense? You know, I think I think Corey just just from what I can gather from the past is Corey's been a guy who's always tried to lead. He's always tried to to get the other guys going along, and and has done a pretty good job with the leadership role and. I don't know if the, the guys in the past have ever really let him do that to the full ability. And I think a really a credit to the other guys is, is they've let Corey lead this year. And uh, Corey's, I mean, week in, week out, Corey's probably been one of our most consistent guys. Um, he's, he's kind of the heartbeat of the room. He's the guy that's probably the most balled in in the room. I mean, not to say the other guys are not, but he's, he is the alpha of the room. I mean, he's, He's the one that everyone looks up to, and, and he makes my job easier as a coach. And I'm glad we have Corey. Um, he's just a steady, reliable guy that, that you can count on week in, week out to be there, and, and he keeps getting better every week. All right, before we let you go, what do we got planned for Thanksgiving? Do we have a, a big bird on the table? What, what do you have planned for Thanksgiving? Uh, nothing crazy. No, pretty standard. Just just my wife and my daughter. Um, 
so it's just us three. Uh, okay. So we'll we'll just uh, we'll have a small turkey and and just the traditional stuff, traditional sides, dressing, mashed potatoes, corn, stuffing, not, not, nothing crazy. Uh, but but it's nice to uh, the the good thing about this is now you're able to. I mean, you take a seat, you take a step back, and everything's on pause, and, and you get frustrated with it. But at the same time, you look at it, and it's like, hey, when during Thanksgiving week do I get to spend time with my family? <laughs> and uh, right. we're getting there now. And, and uh, so you, you kind of got to look for those tiny little blessings, everything you do. And it's been great for us to go spend more time together. All right, Coach. Thank you for being with us. Happy Thanksgiving. Have a great day. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you guys as well. All right. Talk to you soon, Coach. All right. We'll see you. All right, that's offensive line coach Garen Justice joining us. Okay, when we come back, Don, we're going to talk a little basketball. We'll move our attention to Jim Laranega, then Katie Meyer, and then you and I will talk a little bit about the college football playoff, uh, which is being revealed here in the next couple of moments. I will look forward to it. All right, so we'll continue right after this. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage get cox internet powered by fiber with america's fastest download speeds it's internet built for tomorrow today cox always building better cox internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection speeds vary and are not guaranteed cox terms and other restrictions may apply analysis by ucla speed test intelligence data fixed median download speeds usq3 2023 Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. <laughs> 